0: Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seventh commandment is all about the realm of marriage and sexuality. It's a big topic, it's also a topic that we simply cannot ignore. The Bible speaks plainly about it. As we look at this world in which we live, we see a, a world in desperate need. Of renewal. As I was preparing for this sermon, I read from a book by Paul David Tripp on this topic. At the outset of the book, he expresses his feeling that the world has gone nearly insane when it comes to human sexuality. And here are some examples he gives to back up that statement. First, he says… So many people are texting sexually explicit pictures from their cell phones that the word sexting has become part of modern vocabulary. That's the first thing. Example number two, Internet pornography is the most powerful economic engine of the world wide web. Think about that. How many billions of dollars are spent on pornography? Example number three, After a conference, some parents from the audience came up to speak with him, and they were heartbroken and angry because their son seemed hopelessly addicted to internet pornography, and they didn't know what to do. Their son was only eight years old. Paul David Tripp gives many more such examples It seems as if in this world marriage and and sex are used every possible way except the way God intended it. And it's incredibly sad. But there's one thing I want to make clear at the outset of this sermon. It will not do to simply point out the sins of the world and say, shame on them. No. The world indeed is calling out for renewal but we also need to confront our own hearts. We need to examine our own lives, our own actions. We need to seek renewal from God in our lives too. So, I preach you God's Word this afternoon under the following theme, the seventh commandment, God's call to faithfulness and purity. We'll look at three things. First of all, the selfishness of our sin, Second of all, the wonder of God's grace. And finally, the the renewing power of confession. What has gone wrong in the world when it comes to marriage and sexuality? Well, I'm going to begin answering that question by quoting from two popular songs released in the last number of years. The first song was released in 2018 by an artist named Aria- Ariana Grande, it's titled, God is a Woman. Here are some of the lyrics, and sorry if this is a bit shocking. love, You love it how I move you, you love it how I touch you, my one. When all is said and done, you'll believe God is a woman. And I feel it after midnight, a feeling that you can't fight, my one. It lingers when we're done, you'll believe that God is a woman. Again. Shocking language. Perhaps you've already had enough with that first song, but please allow me to quote one more. The second song was released in 2014 by the group Maroon 5. It's titled Animals. Here are some of the lyrics. Sorry if it's shocking. Baby, I'm praying on you tonight. Hunt you down, eat you alive. Just like animals, animals, animals. And I could go on. I quoted some of the least shocking parts of the song. Now, the purpose in quoting those songs is not just to shock you. I want to point out something from these two songs. First of all, let me say that if you are listening to garbage like this for entertainment, you need to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. And you need to throw that kind of music in the trash can, Plain and simple. It has no place in our lives. That's the first thing. That's not my main point. Here's what I want us to see. On one level, these songs, they seem completely opposite. The one artist uses sexual intimacy to reclaim, I am God. The second group uses sexual intimacy to reclaim, I am an animal. Seems completely opposite. The statement's are actually quite the same. You see, these two songs together give a small picture of the fall into sin. In the fall into sin, humans trying to reach for God's throne. We proclaimed, I am God, I make my own rules, I do what I want. But what happened when we did that? Did we become like God? No. We only became less human more beast-like than anything. And ever since the fall into sin, humans keep doing the same thing. We try to make ourselves as God. We want to make our own rules, set our own boundaries, do whatever we want. The sad reality is when we do that, we end up acting more like animals and even worse. This is true when it comes to the seventh commandment. And there's another thing I want to point out from these songs. Both songs are saturated with selfishness. They're not about truly loving another person in a committed relationship. Ariana Grande is using physical intimacy for self-glorification. She wants the men she is with to proclaim that she is God. Maroon 5, are using physical intimacy to simply gratify personal cravings, even if it means treating someone like an animal. It's all about self. But Remember what I said in the introduction of this sermon. The point is not to simply point at the sins of the world and say shame on them. We want to get at the sin of our own hearts, And it's this selfishness, this self-centered attitude that is so often at the root of sexual sin. To quote Paul David Tripp again, one of the reasons this gift from God, and it is a gift, one of the reasons this gift from God gets distorted and becomes something God never intended it to be and ends up being hurtful, dark, and dangerous Is that in this fallen world, it is most often motivated by no larger purpose than the pleasure of the individual. And this is true. Pornography at its root is deeply selfish, it's not about true love at all. It turns people into objects to be used. The people on the screen, they're only destroying themselves. And yet they're being used to satisfy someone's personal cravings. It's sad. The same goes for adultery. There is no sacrificial love, Christ-like love in adultery. Two people use each other without any commitment to the other person. Think... Maybe also of a young man pressuring his girlfriend into sexual sin. He's simply gratifying himself. A young woman might use her body simply to attract attention. A husband or wife might use their spouse simply to fulfill their own desires with little care for the other person's needs or feelings. And he or she may get angry when their spouse doesn't go along with their wishes. Selfishness is at the root, and it leads to sin. So we need to examine our own hearts and lives if we are falling in sexual sin. Where is selfishness a part of it? How can we repent of it? Beloved, let us turn from it. All of these things cause so much damage. It only confirms the truth we read in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. We must understand this. This is how it is with all sin. But if in regards to the seventh commandment, Are you sowing to please the sinful nature? Oh, if you look lustfully at a man or a woman, you are sowing to please the flesh. You will reap corruption in your heart and in your life. Lustful desires will turn into sinful actions. and This, in turn, will bring more damage. If you flirt with someone, not your spouse, you are sowing to please the flesh. You will reap some kind of corruption in your marriage. You may also reap full-blown adultery. If you engage in pornography or adultery, you will only reap damage in your own heart, in your own life. Doesn't matter how you look at it. This is the nature of sin. We have to confront that in our own lives. Brings us to our next point. It's easy to see so much damage in this world is being caused by sin against the seventh commandment. And also, as I went through some of those things in the first commandment, perhaps it tends you towards despair. And if right now you are caught in a pattern of sexual sin, you might feel hopeless. These sins do bring deep feelings of guilt and shame, and yes, also despair. But here is where we always turn our eyes to our Lord Jesus Christ and to God's grace in Christ. Against the dark backdrop of human sin, the grace of God shines so brightly. Listen to what we read from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And this is a blessing God grants to those who turn to Christ in true faith. This is God's free grace to sinners. Remember those words, blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no sin. Not one. This is what God has graciously done for us in Jesus Christ. It's in Christ. And he does not count our sins towards our account. Because he counted them towards Christ Himself. And that is the amazing exchange of the gospel. Christ taking our sins upon himself. It's the stunning message of the cross. There's nothing you and I do to earn this blessedness. Romans 4 quotes Psalm 32 and said, This blessedness is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. It goes against everything we deserve. Sometimes we might despair of God's forgiving grace. Sexual sin can feel so enslaving. If you have fallen again and again, then Satan will do what he can to make you doubt, to bring you to despair. And that only causes the cycle to keep going. Here is where we need to remember God's forgiving grace again. Psalm 32, a psalm of David. David, as we know, committed adultery with Bathsheba. We don't know for sure if Psalm 32 is written with that event in mind, but it certainly fits the occasion. And there can be no doubt that the forgiveness described here applied to that sin, too, that David committed. The Lord, in His grace, in His pure mercy, did not count that transgression to David, forgave his sin, covered it through Jesus Christ. And that's just one example of many others in the Bible. Many others sinned in this manner, and they were forgiven through the cross, through the redeeming work of Christ. If you ever despair of God's forgiveness, I encourage you also to remember the sacraments. Think of baptism. In baptism, God signifies and seals to us that it, in the blood of Christ, our sins are washed away. All the filth of our sins washed away. and As we read in the form of baptism, if we sometimes through weakness fall into sin, we must not despair of God's mercy nor continue in sin, for baptism is a trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Think also of the Lord's Supper. Here we see Christ's broken body, His shed blood, Christ's body was broken for broken people so that broken people might be forgiven. And he poured out his blood so that your sin would be wiped away. And the message of the Lord's Supper also is that Christ is going to change you. He's going to change me. He's going to change you. Well, this is something I've said before. I'm going to say it again. The bread and the wine—we have symbols of Christ's body and blood that we eat and drink. What's the message? It's proclaiming that Christ lives in you. And because Christ lives in you, He will also change you. See what's the what's the problem with this world? When it comes to the seventh commandment, the first of all, it's not that the internet is full of smut. The problem is, first of all, in here, in our own sinful hearts. And if our hearts were perfect, it wouldn't matter how much stuff was on the internet, we wouldn't sin. So, what do we need? We need new hearts. And this is what Christ gives by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Christ has come to live in the hearts of sinful, broken people in need of forgiveness and grace. The gospel is not that God forgives us freely so that we might continue in sin. The gospel is that God forgives us freely in Christ, and He will change us too. And when Christ lives in your heart, you're going to become more like Him. And what is Christ like? He is supremely unselfish. Look again at this broken body and shed blood in the Lord's Supper. This is the very pinnacle of a servant attitude. If there was ever a selfless person who denied himself to serve others, the well-being of others, it was our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, so often sin against the seventh commandment is about gratifying selfish desires. So Christ living in us gets to the very core Of the problem. In Him, we are new. In Him, we are changed. We become like Him. Let me give you one example how this changes us. What if a husband or a wife takes a servant attitude of Christ into their marriage? A husband or a wife might say, I'm going to serve this person who isn't perfect. I'm going to love this person who is still a sinner. I'm going to be faithful to this person who doesn't deserve it. I'm going to seek the well-being of this person and put away my own selfish desires. That is the change that Christ brings beloved and that is the change that we need to fight this battle brings us to our last point now on this last point i'm going to talk about confessing our sins you might think i would put that the second point before the second point god's free grace But I chose to put it last because it's God's grace in Christ that actually frees us to confess our sins. You see, our natural tendency is to hide from God because of our sin. Think of Adam and Eve. After they sinned, they were filled with shame. They were filled with fear. So they tried to hide from God. God. And that's our default response, too. We have the same heart. But when we understand God's grace in Christ, it frees us. It allows us to confess our sins without fear of condemnation. How important it is to confess our sins to Him. These sins, sin against the seventh commandment, it's often kept so private most likely, want to do whatever we get we can to keep it hidden away from others. There's simply no hiding it from God. It's actually quite silly when you think about it. How oh, God sees everything we do, everything. You can't keep anything hidden from God. David tried this once, tried the strategy, it didn't work. What he says happened to him when he tried to hide away his sin. He says in Psalm 32, Blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You know, it's a fitting image for today and for this summer. It's been a hot summer for us. It's a really hot day today. And when you've been inside an air-conditioned building, you go out into the heat. It just drains your energy. It's hard to do anything. David says when he covered up his sin, God's hand was heavy upon him. His strength was dried up like that. And so he's describing this also for us by the power of the Spirit. Why try cover up your sin? We cannot hide it from God. He will only invite God's fatherly discipline should we do instead? Come clean. Confess your sins to God. And how renewing that is. Listen to David in Psalm 32 again. Finally, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. What a freeing, feeling Refreshing to confess your sin to God, renewing. Walking around with an unclean conscience will only sap your strength. Sin is never worth it. Confess your sins, beloved. Oh, maybe at this point you're saying to yourself, Well, I have. In fact, I've done it probably a million times. It doesn't seem to help. I'm still stuck in my old, sinful patterns that I can't seem to shake. Well here is where I would encourage you to use another avenue of confession. It's an avenue, I think, we don't use enough. I would encourage you to confess your sin to someone else. a brother. Or sister in the Lord. If you are struggling with sexual sin, one of the very best things you can do is to tell someone else. In fact, I'll put it even stronger than that. If you are struggling with sexual sin, you need to tell someone If that didn't sink in, let me say it again. If you're struggling with this sin, you need to tell someone. When you tell someone, it might be hard, but it will be a relief. When you tell someone, you are forced to acknowledge that this is a problem in your life. You need to deal with it. So if you're struggling in this way, who are you going to tell? Pick someone in your mind. Pick a faithful brother or sister in Christ. I would urge you to tell that person sooner rather than later. Tell them tonight. I say this because so often we might have good intentions and we just let it go we might change our mind thinking we can fight this war all on our own. But God has gifted us with a communion of saints also for this purpose. That we might bear one another's burdens. That we would help each other, encourage each other to live holy lives for God's glory and for our own good. If someone does, in fact, confess their sins to you, then remember what we read from Galatians 6. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. No demeaning words. No anger or frustration. Gentleness. Gentleness. And if someone confesses their sins to you, you also need to be ready to help out for the long haul. Temptation does not go away overnight. And also remember the warning from Galatians 6, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Beloved, it's not always easy things. We have each other, and we have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now respond to God's Word by singing Psalm 32, stanzas 1, 2, and 4.